You see all this poetry I'm writing here? <laughs> I'm a poet. Yeah, so you have uh, uh, this one. It's the, the first book. It's literally entitled The First Book. It's, it's called FAMS. It's food, forest, foraging, hunting, anti-fragile modern society. Uh, in elementary school, we were fighting every day coming home because they get slapped. It's the fact that you whacker than whacker. He get paper because he a copy machine. The only way you get in paper if you copying me. Welcome to the Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. We have another great guest for you guys today. Oh, Dre, I'm so excited. We have Elohim. Elohim grew up in New Jersey. His mother was told by an angel that she would birth his siblings and himself. He was, she was always a spiritual origin waiting for him. His mother's side is dominated by preachers, pastors, ministers, builders of church, and spiritualists. His father's side of the family is grounded in farms, immigration, and warriors. Elohim has seen many things, some you would not believe and others you would. He made it through the roller coaster ride called the school and learned a lot about himself by learning a lot about people. He acted in plays and dance recitals, so he's an actor and a teacher. He performed poetry more times than you could count. He became president and founder of multiple organizations and won many competitions and prizes. After graduating from the Lincoln University, he found himself teaching in the inner city. Eventually, he got married, had some children, started some businesses, which has finally given him the time to fulfill his God-given mission. He's also the bestseller of two books. Elohim, my first question is, when do you sleep? <laughs> it's, like, it's like you maximize all of your life minutes. When do you sleep? But, but before you get into that, the majesty part, are you a line of royalty? Or Explain that part about it if you can. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, uh, well, I would say everybody, because how history goes is technically, like whether you're black or white, it's probably connected to majesty because they have so many wives. You know, but uh, right. but I, 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 meant it, I meant it in the sense that when I started studying, you know, my history, I was like, man, these people are so awesome. They're so great. And I felt like, you know, they were royal in their own right. And, you know, so that's okay. what I meant by majesty, you know. And, and, and the reason why I asked that way, we had a lady on our show a couple, maybe about six months ago. She was really a granddaughter of a Ghanaian king. Wow. So her lineage, she's part of, of course, they had a lot of wives or I don't know if they had a lot of wives, but she said that her grandfather was the king of a tribe wow. in Ghana. And I was like, wow. So I was thinking you might be connected, but no, no. coming back, <laughs> coming back to you, you, you published two books. Can you talk about your books and what are they about? And what was the catalyst or motivation for writing these books? Yeah. So you have uh, uh, this one. It's the, the first book It's literally entitled the first book. Um, and that one, <laughs> you know, so I always say that because I have two. And so I'll say the first book that they're, they're, they're looking for another title. I'm like, no, literally the first book. Right? Literally. <laughs> keep, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> first, first rule of marketing. Exactly. Exactly. In this book, it, it honestly, I didn't expect it to do anything. It, uh, it just came to me. It was, um, you know, you know, spiritually, I, I get these things and um, I don't like to call them people like today call them like uploads. I don't like to or downloads. I don't like to call it refer to myself as like some type of digital thing. But uh, I, I get these 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 messages that I got to write down. And so, you know, I just wrote it all down and I told people about it and it just went crazy. People, it just resonated with people and um, everybody loved it. And my my social media blew up and everything. And so, you know, I always kind of, I just had to do it. It was something that was burning in me. And the only way I could stop the burning was to put it down and I had to release it. And so I always say to people, this is like from my higher self to everybody else. And I feel like it's meant for everybody, uh, specifically for people who are, you know, trying to change the world or here to change the world. And then there's this one. This one is the latest one. It's It's been huge. It's It's called FAMS. It's food, forest, foraging, hunting, anti-fragile modern society. 
And the baseline of this book, this is also connected to my mission, my spiritual mission, which is pretty much um, to create something new here on earth. Um, it sounds wild when somebody just says it like this, but pretty much the premise of that book is civilization, especially as you know it, is not what we think it is. It's more like a zoo. It's more like a prison. Um, and that as long as humans are a part of this, it's going to not only suck the earth dry, but if you really notice, it sucks humans dry. And you were talking about, you know, earlier, like, man, what time do you get? And, uh, you know, we don't realize that we're not really made to work nine to fives. We're not really made to be working these jobs. And um, so the book kind of gets really deep into that, to the science of it, to the spirituality of it, to the history of it all. And um, so, yeah, those are the two books and they've resonated with people. And so they've been spreading like wildfire. That's great. So the, the obvious follow-up question is, where can our listeners uh, purchase your books? Where's the best place for them to get them from? The best place would be to go to uh, my website, which is www.thephilosophyoforder.com. But you can also just Google it. It'll pop up. But the reason why it's better to go there is because, you know, us as authors, you know, they, they put out free versions. And to be honest, those free versions that get put out, we don't get paid as much from. But if you uh, get, this is anybody who has Audible or Kindle, but if you get the free version from that author's link, then they get paid a commission for the people who sign up with uh, that platform. Okay. And so okay. you can get it. I mean, you literally just Google my name, they'll all pop up. But if you go to the website, it, it helps out a lot that I literally can take that money and put it towards the fams that we're already trying to build across the world. So. Great, great. So, as so, so, so listen about the, uh, the the content of each book, um, what seems to come to mind for me is the impact your mother's side of the family has had on you. Uh, I'm sure your father has as well, but uh, you mentioned how your mother's side was very spiritual, that sort of thing. Talk to me about the influence your mother's mm-hmm. family and your mother has had on you um, and, and your life as a whole. A tremendous influence. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, whatever my mom said and my dad too was like law to me and my brain. And spiritually, so it was twofold. On one side, it was always awesome to grow up in a house that was very into just God and spirituality. I have, you know, um, a lot of Christians in my family, a lot of Muslims in my family. I also have people who are just spiritual in general who understand Buddhism, Hinduism. And um, so I always got a good, you know, share of different religious and cultural beliefs and spiritual beliefs. So on that side, it was extremely positive. But what one thing I can say that wasn't so positive is that a lot of times when you have a child like myself, and you have a lot of kids like this who are, I would just, some people call them sens- sensitive. They're like sensitive to anything spiritual. They might see a couple things when they're growing up. They might, you know, they might have a really unordinary, you know, childhood. And what a lot of us do is things that we don't understand or are a mystery, we call it the devil. And so just on one side, as it was awesome to get all this, you know, about God and prayers and meditations and things like that, it was also terrifying to me because, you know, when, when you're told everything that you, that you see or experience or dream that's a little different is the devil, it gets pretty scary pretty quick for a kid. Sure. So there was always two, two sides to that. Yeah. But it was a, a, a tremendous influence in my mother in particular. What I always can say about her is no matter how weird the things that I saw growing up, she was the only one who never made me feel like it wasn't real. Because when you tell a kid who's seeing things, right, that are spiritual, whether it's spirits, whatever you want to call it, entities, and you say to that kid, you're not seeing that. That's fake. It's all in your head. It's nothing more isolating then people telling you that it's fake and it's not real when you're experiencing these things. My mother never did that. She would always say, you know, you need to pray on it. You need to think about it. Well, you know, and she was always more supportive of it, of the reality of it. So I've nurturing. Yeah, very much. Yeah. So in, in contrast, your father's side um, was more the warriors, the, the uh, mm-hmm. farming, immigration. Talk about your dad a bit and how his side of the family has impacted your life. Yeah, so my father also has a lot of Muslims on his side. It's a very interesting story. Um, they uh, So we all stem from Yaqub. Yaqub um, is my great-grandfather, 
who came over from Jamaica. Now, uh, no one, he wasn't, he's very old. He was very old school. So he didn't tell people a lot about his past. You knew something happened that wasn't so good. We don't know what happened, but it was over in Jamaica and he came over here to start over and he bought up um, masses amounts of land um, out in, uh, in New Jersey. Um, and he had a family. He met a woman who's my great grandmother, Augusta. Uh, she was um, Native American. Um, white and black, but she went by Native American. And um, and so they had a lot of children, you know, my grandfather's generation. And, you know, so they were all brought up on the farm, um, all just on hardworking, growing up on the farm. Uh, but Yakub, as much as he was about family and keeping the family together, he was a very uh, hard man, if that's the best way I could describe it. And he wasn't nurturing at all. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of his sons didn't want to be around him when they grew up. Wow. And so they left into, they wanted, they said, forget farming. We want to get into trucking. And so the whole family got into trucking, repairing cars and things like that. And so we end up being in this place called Longside, New Jersey, where most of the Ali's are to this day. And um, so it was a lot of agriculture there. And the warrior side, the reason why I say warriors is because you have a lot of fighters on my dad's Ooh. side they're you know my mom's side you know they're very churchy and spiritual they're very uh, also i don't know how to describe it without sounding a certain type of way but they're you know they're a certain kind of you know black folk right and <laughs> you know my dad my dad's side is the other kind of black folk and so you know a lot of a lot of fights but you know you learn a lot from that side a lot of you know you know a lot of you know hard but awesome lessons and um as hard as my dad's side is, you know, and as much as, you know, we're fighting, you know, and it was also that camaraderie that we are the Ali's and we always got each other's back, no matter what happens, mm. you know. And so, you know, um, but Yakub was in the nation of Islam. And when he came over, he actually met um, uh, the um, Elijah Muhammad, you know, um, mm. and. But what happened was, see, he was a different kind of Muslim because he came from Jamaica. And um, so Muslims in Jamaica could be a little different. Uh, and so, so he so, for example, they have certain traditions that they mix in. Just like in Africa, we have some some people who are Muslim, but they have also a lot of African traditional religion mixed in to that mm. Islam tradition you had similar things going on in jamaica where a lot of them were like maroons a lot of them had these certain beliefs about things one of those beliefs were that you know they could you know have pig farms now a muslim is not allowed to even touch nor sell pig so how do you have a pig farm (laughs) and so they came to him and they told him the nation came they said listen brother you cannot have a pig farm and he was a type of brother who was very prideful. He was like, hey, no, no, no man tells me what to do. You know, I'm, a, I'm allowed to do what I want. I, I'm a Muslim. I have a Quran. I practice it. I say, hey, man, you cannot be in the nation and have a pig farm. So he said, I'm leaving then. And so he leaves the nation. And and so we all so they kept passing on the Muslim names, you know, you know, Ali, Rahim, Elohim, Salim. Yure- There's so many Yareems in my family, but not everybody's Muslim. But they mm. still continue that tradition of passing down. A Muslim name because Yakub was Muslim in Jamaica, but he also joined the nation. So they tried to keep some of those traditions going. But the funny thing is, they all still cook. Uh, most of them still are, are big on cooking pork as I was growing up. So it's very interesting. It's, <laughs> it's very funny. It's kind of so. like that balance of it's interesting. Yeah. Interesting is a good word. I'm going to pass it over to Smiley here. I just want to share a thought. You. I think are fortunate in that you had those two sides to influence your growth and development, right? Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, we're just raised as being, you know, either um, not passive, but just caring, kind and nurturing. And that's kind of who you are defines your entire existence or you're raised as being, you know, tough and hard and, you know, the warrior, yeah. nobody's going to step on my shoes. Yeah. Now I'll, I'm ready yeah. to fight. And that's kind of your existence. Yeah. That's how you move through life. For you, having both sides influence your development, I think is, is uh, powerful in that you're able to tap into each side as you learn how to do that when it's needed. Is that fair to say? And if, if so, talk to me about that. That's fair to say. And I'm, I've never put it that way. 
but it was very my wife always says my life is full of extremes and she's Ooh. like one side this you know two sides and um it was like that and i was able to do that growing up and um and i think they did enable enable that because the funny thing is when my mother moved out alongside we moved to a place called pine hill new jersey new jersey mm-hmm. she thought that it was the way it looked was like it was a nice suburban place but it was like one of those suburban places that was very mixed so you had like you know the kids the the black kids who moved from the inner cities all the way out in the apartments in pine hill but you also had the quote unquote that's what they called them like white trash but they're not white trash i don't mm-hmm. you know but i'm just saying that's what they called them the get the ghetto black people the white trash people right over there then you had the people in the center that's where i lived at where it was just mm-hmm. kind of all mixed in and then people who lived by the schools who were the like prestigious uh, the kids of the sheriff or the mayor mm-hmm. and stuff like that and in the middle was mixed up like you got your mm-hmm. bike stolen got your house aid people got jumped it was mm-hmm. you know so that was also mixed but you know, being from my father's side, which I was also always grateful for, it was like this whole prize thing. Like, hey, man, you're Ali, so you don't let nobody punk you. So like you said, so I was able to pull those out in moments, and it was very racist in that area. But, you know, me and my brother actually for the first, I want to say first six months at that school, uh, in elementary school, we were fighting every day coming home because... We were, be called, we were being called the N-word, knuckle draggers. We had no idea what this stuff was at the time. And so, you know, we had to fight, you know, coming home. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a balance. And my mom's side was so big on education. So big on education. Like, it's not even an option to not, you know, to not do college on that side. So I didn't want to, but they, they pushed me there. And I'm very grateful that they, they did, actually. So... Would, would you say that you're um, living in the situation where you and your brother had to grow up and you had so many different communities and, and, and different socioeconomic classes within the same area? Do you think that fueled your passion to be an actor and a teacher or did it help you in those roles? And can you tell us about how you go from being an actor or a teacher or was it from a teacher to being an actor? How did that work? Yeah, so I grew up, um, and my, my mother put me in all performing arts because she thought I was so talented, and so that's how I ended up winning so many competitions. You know, I did, I was a dancer, I was an actor, I was a rapper, I was a singer. I just did, you know, um, all sorts of things. And so, yeah, I was definitely acting first. I was acting as a teenager. I was in a, um, a theater company, um, you know, where I perform in plays. I, I performed in plays at my school. I really got out of acting when I got into college and focused more on my poetry, my music, and uh, more so on dancing, uh, you know, starting organizations. But um, yeah, growing up, I was, it was all acting, it was all singing, it was all rap, and it was all dancing, all sorts of performing arts. And in fact, you know, the uh, the audio version of these two books, people always talk about how like the, the best audio books they ever heard. And I always credit my uh, my mother and my father because they, you know, my mom would buy me a bunch of music editing programs, software, you know, video editing programs. My father used to pay for studio sessions to make sure I went to the studio every weekend in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So, you know, that actually enabled me, you know, later in my life. And a, and a funny story real quick is that my mom, when I was younger, she used to say, man, you're so good at writing poetry and rapping. You know, that means you, you probably, and you're so good at telling stories, you probably should be an author. But as a kid, uh, anything where my mom was suggested be something, I felt like it was like a negative thing for whatever reason. Like, like she was like boxing me out. I'm like, mom, I, I'm much more than an author. I'm not yeah. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I'm, I'm way more than an author. What do you mean, an yeah. author? Yeah. yeah. You see all this poetry? You see all this poetry I'm writing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a poet. <laughs> so you know, we always look back and we laugh at it because yeah. like, well, now you have all these books out and things. So you know, yeah. So that's it's how funny. that worked out. No, that's that's awesome. So when you when you're acting, and so you you mentioned that you have a business now. So is your business in the entertainment realm? Is your business in the academic realm, or is it totally something different? It's different. It's um. So the so my business started uh started when I was a teacher. I um you know I always I always told myself I grew up in in dog breeding, so I always told myself that I was going to breed dogs when I got older. And so I started breeding Rottweilers, um, 
when I was a teacher. And um, I mean, like really breeding them, like importing dogs from other countries and things like that and, and having like super high quality dogs. And so that enabled, uh, you know, me to invest in other things like education and marketing. And so I also started doing online marketing. And so um, at one point, so I was teaching, I was doing marketing and I was breeding. And what happened was, uh, you know, you know how they say you can't serve two masters, man. It just became so much work to try to do both because as a teacher at a school I was teaching at, um, Statesman is saying earlier is where I got this shirt. It's an all boys uh, school. It's awesome school in DC. I mean, really incredible. I've never been at a, at a, at a better school. I never taught at a better school and they taught me so many things, but one thing they demand, the reason why they get so many outcomes is because man, if you're going to be a teacher at Statesman, you are going to work, right? The, the kids come first in all aspects of everything and you are going to work. And I could not do both. And so that's when I had to actually let go of teaching so that I could continue to do the things that I felt like I was meant to do. Because the whole point of opening the businesses weren't even just to make money. It was, I wanted to be financially free. I wanted to have the ability to do what I wanted to do. And so I was like, okay, I guess I got there a little earlier than expected. I believe I was 28, 29. And I was just like, okay. And so that's what happened. So, so are, is your business dog breeding now? Was that the second master? Or is your business writing books? It's marketing and it's breeding. The, I, I, I mean, technically the books um, are, are doing very well, but I don't, I really use that back toward the books. Like I, I really take everything from fams. Like I said, that's my God given mission. And I put it all back into fams, like, you know, trying to, you know, buy out land, trying to buy out acres, putting it back into the books to do better and uh, things of that nature. So yes, it actually is doing very well. But the other two businesses are, are what I live off of, what I sustain myself off of, me and my family. Would you would you define yourself as a real estate person as you're buying land to do the farming? Or it's just something that's part of the mission is you just have to buy a lot of land? And are you just, well, one last question and I'll turn it to Andre. Are you concentrated only in Jersey, DC, Northeast, or are you all over the country with your vision? That's funny because I actually moved out of the East. I live in Oklahoma now. And You're actually, in Oklahoma. 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 When was the last time I heard that state reference? You're the first person on our podcast from Oklahoma. Dude, sell me. Hey, sell me on Oklahoma, dog. There's a reason you're there. There's Oklahoma. a reason you're there. Tell me all about it. Tell me all about it. Yeah, man. Listen, um, I used to come up here every summer to see my okay. grandmother. She, she okay. lived up here in Oklahoma. I used to catch snakes and everything. I mean, it's all types of things out here. As yeah. My mom yeah. hated it. Just to let you know, my mom hated it. She's like, you know, stop letting him. Don't let him go out by himself. My son, he'll, right. go and he'll catch animals, right? right my right, grandma, right. she gave me these gloves and she tells me like, you know, oh, she gives me this book. She says, I'm just going to tell him. My mom's name is Perinda. I'm going to tell him, Perinda, you know, look in this book. Do not get these poisonous snakes. Here are the non-venomous snakes. And it tells you all about the snakes in this book. And my mom was like, why would you give him that book? He's going to look for the poisonous snakes. That's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. I, to find the most. I thought that I was the crocodile hunter. Like, okay. that's what I thought. Okay. I, I, thought you know, I was out there saying, oh, she's a beaut. I was doing all that. You know, I thought I thought I was a crocodile hunter. Elohim, uh, Elohim Dundee. Elohim Dundee. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. I like all it. Right. Yeah, I thought I was a crocodile hunter. But I love it. So, no, so I had to come up here. So I was, um, man, we, so as well as the dog breeding business was doing, as well as the marketing was doing, my credit score is not good. So I was trying to get in, I was trying to, you know, get a, into another apartment. You know, my last apartment said, hey, we want to sell the house. You know, the market was going up. We want to sell the house. So I was looking for another place and we ended up getting this spot. It was terrible. It was just like this because no other place would take us with the credit score. I mean, I offered, can you believe I offered, I don't know, maybe they thought I was selling drugs because I offered an entire, I said, man, I'll pay six months rent in advance, right? And they were still saying no. I was like, they must think I'm what? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm young and I'm black. Maybe they think I'm, I'm selling drugs. But right, so I, right. um, so we end up. You know, my grandmother has a house out here. She has two and a half acres. She, she doesn't live in it. She was just like, look, you guys can go over there and stay there. And we're like, dang, Oklahoma. That's man. That's a 
right? We, same thing y'all doing. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, we, we were like, we looked at the pros of it and we got out here. Now, as far as me like buying land, um, you know, just in general, one, you know, New Jersey, especially New Jersey, man, a lot of these places, like the laws and you trying to do what you want to do on land, yeah. the restrictions are crazy. Strict. The pricing in Maryland and Virginia, because it's near D.C., is insane in Maryland. I mean, they're charging for land as if their mansions built on it. So, you know, out there in Maryland. So we, we came out here, it's a lot more affordable. And so this kind of gets into the premise of my book. So I'm not buying anything to necessarily for a real estate purpose or to uh, farm. You know, um, the reality is, and, and, and this goes deeper into history, that FAMS is the solution to this problem that we've been in. You know, um, and what we call civilization, right, which is just something that depends on agriculture in order to expand out, um, you know, is unsustainable. And we kind of live in a world where we just kind of don't care anymore. But we all hear the stories. We know the wildfires. We know the oil's running out. We know all the things, mm. all the problems. But we kind of, I mean, we're busy. So we kind of just go like, yeah. But, you know, civilizations only have, I think, a, a lifespan of about 300 to 400 years. And we've been doing civilizations only for about 10,000 years. Prior to that, people were, you know, hunter-gatherers. Now, when people would hear about hunter-gatherers, the first thing they think in their mind are stupid, primitive people. That wasn't the case. A lot of your ancient monuments was created by hunter-gatherers. It just means that you depend on hunting and gathering for most of your food. And it turns out that if you are a hunter-gatherer, then you're going to be healthier, you're going to be stronger, you're going to be more fit. And you actually get more time off. You know, a lot of people used to think that hunter-gatherers, you know, spend all day and will barely get food, but that's just not the case. Humans are just so much smarter than that. And so what they would do is they would, you know, the, obviously the men, most of the men would hunt, most of the women would gather. And they would bring back the food that, you know, obviously, but they would only do that for about three hours a day. The rest of the day would be spent on inventing things, playing, gathering, having a good time. That's why when they study hunter-gatherers, not only are they healthier than us physically, but they found out that they are actually healthier than us mentally. You know, suicide is at zero. Cancer is at zero. You know, heart disease is at zero. You know, they're living. And then the myth was that they were only living up to be 30 years old. Come to find out, hunter-gatherers live between the ages of 70 and 80s, you know, just like most wow. of us do today. And the reason why that myth got pushed was because today, right, if you're if somebody's pregnant and they have a baby that's deformed, then the, the woman's going to know ahead of time. And either she's going to get treatment for that baby or or they're going to give her the option to abort it early, right? And so hunter-gatherers don't have that. So what happens is they'll have those babies sometimes that can come out deformed or maybe they're they're premature or something's off, those babies mm -hmm. are going to die. So what they did was all those babies that died with hunter-gatherers, they took that um, infant mortality and they averaged it in with the lifespan of just hunter-gatherers overall. Oh. And so it took it from like, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s and reduced it down to 40s and 30s. And so that's why mm -hmm. people believe that hunter-gatherers live to be 30s mm -hmm. because they're averaging in. I say all that to say that okay. FAMS is about how can we get back to that lifestyle without and be free without giving up you know because te technology is not bad it's just that you need to have technology that's good for you and good for the earth so mm. that's what fams is it's about getting back to that and so you're using a food forest and so we're getting this land because you gotta instead of creating a farm farms take from the soil they deplete the land you have to kill everything around it in order to grow your food and it's unsustainable because you since the soil is getting depleted mm. you kept having to go further and further out what a food forest does it mimics a forest and if you didn't know, the Amazon rainforest is actually one of the oldest food forests on the planet created by humans. And anybody can look that up. Hunter-gatherers created the Amazon rainforest. And what they would do is they would take things that they liked, medicinal plants, you know, plants good for building homes, food, and they would go and they would recreate the soil and plant that in there. Therefore, creating a forest that's plentiful of all the things that you would need to survive. So instead of doing that through rows of agriculture, you will grow a forest that can feed as many people as possible. And that's what FAMS in a nutshell is about, trying to pretty much be technologically advanced hunter-gatherers, getting back to that nature. And so that you can be free from bills, mortgages, unhealthy eating, and you can just depend off the land and you can still have technology. You know, so that's, what that's pretty much all about what we're doing. And that's where Oklahoma comes in. Your goal is to get go. Why The reason you're there is to kind of start kind of live, you know, practicing what you're, what you're preaching, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, yeah. Practice, practice that. Out, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Where we okay. were looking originally at Virginia, and we were over. So it was, it was between Virginia and Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the people the people we were talking to in Virginia just didn't work out. So we we're like, look, man, we're already in Oklahoma, and uh, there's a lot of affordable land out here, and um, it's, it's good weather for it. So. You know, we decided like, why not? You know, um, we got chickens right now. You might have heard my rooster earlier. I did hear a rooster as soon as you said as soon as you said Oklahoma. I said, oh, okay, that makes sense now. It all came together. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, I've been all over Jersey, Cherry Hill, Mount Laurel. I've, I've never, never heard, heard a chicken. Only, I've never heard chickens. I've never heard a chicken in, in Jersey. So <laughs> I'm like, that was that? Like, yeah, that's dope, though. That's dope. That's, that's, I like that. that I like is. that. Yeah. yeah. So um, I have a clear sense of the, of your your mission, and, and you know, I think it's I think it's it just makes sense, right? When you think about where we are as a culture, you know, across the globe, really, but here in the U.S. in terms of how distracted we are by everything, you know, it was interesting how as as horrible as COVID was in so many ways, how it did give us a chance to pause and reflect. You know, and I think during that yeah. time, people made so many pivots because there was the only time they had to reflect and say, whoa, you know, am yeah. I living my best life? What's my mission? And am I, am I working towards fulfilling that? So, yeah, yeah I, I, I think your mission is, is, is necessary and, and, and needed. Tell me this. What's the timeline on, on this, this mission you have here? And where are you on that timeline? So is it like a third year, you know? Mm-hmm you know, plan and you're, you know, 10 years in that sort of thing. Where are you there? Yeah. It takes, um, it takes four years just to build a fams in general. So we have people out in different places, somebody in Australia building the fams. We got people in Africa. Uh, most people are in the States though. Um, and, uh, we're on phase one, which is, you know, pretty much trying to get people you could do it with. Um, uh, we're a little further than that. We're on me and my wife, we're on phase two, which is buying out the land and, and things of that nature. But, yeah, it takes about four years to build fams because you gotta it's the, you gotta build the food forest and it takes planting it, and it takes four years mm-hmm. to pretty much mature into a state where you can eat off of it without depleting it. And um, so it's food forest, foraging, hunting. You gotta learn how to hunt. You gotta know how to forage. You gotta know what to eat, what not to eat. Right? You gotta know how to, to to cut an animal open. A lot of us are so detached from that. Right? You know, I remember telling my daughter when I was like, you know, I was looking at the chicken. I was like, yeah, you know, we eat that. She's like, people kill that and they eat it. I'm like, yeah, we're so detached from it that you don't realize that thing that you're eating, it was alive. Yeah, it was running. Right. And somebody got it and they killed it. And now you got it yeah. on your plate. But we're detached from that, you know. And then, you know, um, anti-fragile. And the goal is for the society to be anti-fragile. So you have fragile things, you have robust things, you have anti-fragile things. Something that's fragile, it breaks easy when it's introduced to chaos. Something that's robust, it barely changes like a rock when it's introduced to chaos. But something that's anti-fragile, like your body, like, you know, I always say God, the universe, existence, whatever you want to call it, the most high, makes things anti-fragile, which is when bad things happen, you know, your body actually gets stronger. If you were introduced to a lot of sicknesses as a child, your immune system will be stronger as an adult. And so you want a society that's more anti-fragile, not a society like ours, where the top one percenters, if they make a bad mistake, a bad bet in the stock market, the entire thing comes crumbling down. That's fragile. So you want something mm-hmm. anti-fragile and in modern society, again, you want something that has technology that's, so you want to still be able to live a life of technology, you know, where you're comfortable. Like, I should still be able to communicate with you in these societies. I should still have air. I should still be able to live a comfortable life at the same time. And so it takes about four years to do all of that, but then it's going to take 10 years in total for your food forest to be like a real forest, meaning it's completely sustained itself. You don't have to take care of it. You don't have to do anything. Four years it's is when it matures to a point where you can eat off of it. And 10 years is when your food forest is at a state where you don't have to do anything. It's just going to grow and be its own ecosystem and provide food for you indefinitely. Um, is a portion of that mission, the model, living off the grid? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They will be off the grid. Now, you can have the option on FAMS. So you can be off the grid while having the option to plug into the grid. You know, that's always an option. But yeah, the whole goal is like, for example, we talked about it earlier, like no matter if it's 10 years from now or 100 years from now, uh, civilizations are not built to last. You know, people don't like to accept this, but it's just a reality of history. It's just the way it goes. Every civilization has about four phases before crisis. And then crisis is either going to collapse or it's going to rebuild itself is how it normally goes. And so 
fam should be able to withstand that. You know, like, you know, a lot of this, if you look at, you know, hunter-gatherers out, let's say, in Africa, when a famine happens, and people who depend on farming, they're all dying. They're starving to death. The hunter-gatherers don't even know that they're, they're starving to death because their food is not dependent upon growing crops out of the, the land. It's dependent upon just the life on earth. So, you know, the whole goal of FAMS is even if things go bad and everything breaks down, you know, you're not you're not isolated from civilization while it's here. But if civilization does crumble, you're also not suffering. Everything for you hasn't really changed much. And um, and not to get too because I studied different. I was a philosophy and religion major. And so in different religions, you often hear about this whole thing where the first people were given an option to live this life or that life. A lot of people don't actually understand that Adam and Eve, if anybody just goes back and reads it, were actually hunter-gatherers. And when they ate of the fruit, um, it said uh, the curse was that you will have to till the field. You'll have to work the lands. You'll eat of the bread. It was agriculture. And then if you if, if you read it further, the inventor of the cities was Cain. If anybody reads it, the first person who creates cities is Cain. And then what comes not too long after that is eventually Babylon, which is supposed to rep- uh, represent civilization. And you see this kind of constant in a lot of religion. And I think it's deep knowledge that still passed on through us, which was this thing, what do you call it? Babylon, Egypt, uh, Greece, Rome. These things are going to fall. And uh, that's just a reality of what the state that you're living in. They're going to grow corrupt and then they're going to crumble down to the ground. And so what we're kind of offering in a very metaphorical sense is a way back to the Garden of Eden where people can live lives where they want to live fulfilled and they can do what they want. No, I think that's, so tell me this. I mean, everything you're talking about is so fascinating. The first question is, is there communities like all over the country or the world with fam? Is it a, is it a, is it a growing community? And then the second question is, I, I was so interesting with the forest versus the farm. Can you do that living in a city with your house or do you need acres? To, I mean, when you're growing a forest, I mean, I think of the Amazon as like thousands of miles. But when you're when you're looking at a farm, like I can have a garden here. Can I have a garden fam or, you know, a garden variety fam in the back of my house in Tampa? Or is it you need land, land, land? How does that work? That's a little dynamics. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome question, because to, to answer the first question, we're in like the pioneer phase. So we're at the very beginning. There's people, um, like there's people across the world right now. Uh, we have about a thousand people in the Discord, about uh, 60 people in the Facebook group. Um, and in both of those groups, there people are out there. They're, they're looking for land or they already bought land or they started to create their food for us. So everybody's at different phases of it, but it's going to take about four years for people to actually be in fans. And in regards, I get that. I get that question every now and then about the forest. I think it's a great question. The first food forest I created was in, I was in, I was living in a townhouse, had a little tiny backyard, you know. Now, now it wasn't enough because I also shared half of it with the dog kennels, and so it was very squished in. So it wasn't enough to feed everybody. But we did eat from it. A lot of tomatoes, a lot of things like that. It was like a little garden. But you can have. It depends on how many people you're trying to feed. So you're trying to feed one person. You can definitely, with a small backyard, if you just create, make the entire thing, um, uh, because it, remember, it grows up. Forests often grow up before they grow out. So, um, you know, it's a lot of vine type things, a lot of like butternut squash, grapes, you know, blueberries, tomatoes, those things vine up. So you, it's a lot of space for things like that. A tree in the center, maybe a peace tree or something, but 100% that you can do a food. You can't do fams in the city, but you can do a food forest in the city. And there, there are actually a lot of people who actually do that in the city. So hyperponic. Is it hyperponic? Yeah. People, people like, do that with the, with the, you talk about with the uh, water or with the, uh, yeah, with the water and the, the water. And it just, it has no ground or no dirt. It's just like water. So yeah. People do I that, saw that too. on YouTube. That's something separate, okay. but yeah, I've, I've seen that a lot of that, a lot of aquaponics and, um, but yeah, with the food forest, it's, it's all about the soil. And so if you could just, you want the soil to be black and, and just very nutritious. A lot of our soil is very like dry. You want to get good soil. And um, like I said, you know, you start with seeds. You buy a couple of plants that are already growing a little bit at Lowe's, Home Depot, wherever people want to get it from. And you start small. But before you know it, it doesn't take long. You know, literally, if you start in like March, you'll look at your backyard and the... Uh, you know, if you take care of it, you look at your backyard and by probably about July, you'll be like, whoa, 
it already looks like a you know a food forest back here, you know. So it doesn't take too long for it to grow, but it takes four years to for it to start to being self sustaining, for you not to have to do anything. I love that. So so two quick questions for you before we head into the final four. One is for those listening to this and that want to join the Discord or any other um, uh, streaming options they have there or, or social media options that, that, that exist, what's the best way to participate in, in this? Yeah, the Discord is the easiest one to get into. It's right on the website, um, you know, thephilosophyoforder.com. Um okay. But the the Facebook group's harder to get into because you have to prove that you read the book. So the reason why the uh, Facebook group memberships lower is because we only want people in there that have read the book and who are serious. There's serious people in the Discord, but because it's open to everybody, it's not as you know. People, you know, people talk about what they want, and that's fine too. That's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But the the fam's Facebook group is specifically focused on how can we expand this and how can we build this. So if you Love want it. to get into the Facebook group, just put fams in on uh facebook it will pop up first um but uh you do have you had to have read the book to, to okay. get in. great great all right next question is you've shared a lot you shared a lot which is all i mean i feel like i need to go get the book both books now with all you've shared <laughs> but what's one thing what's one thing that most people don't know about you that you wish Man. they did Something that people don't know that I wish they did. Uh, one thing, I guess, to the people who, you know, follow me on TikTok and on Instagram, I just want everybody to know, and I say this all the time, is that, uh, and I sound so cheesy, but, you know, I'm just a regular person. And I'm weird, but I'm weird like a lot of weird people are, you know. And what I mean by that is, like, uh, you know, you read a book like this, and I always recommend that people read this book first before the first book. But when you read these books, they are because there's they're like I said, I was given when I say to people, I was given this by God, I was given this by the source. And when I think some people take it out of context, um, I, I'm I just always make it clear, I say it in my books, but I always say it, I'm I'm not claiming to be anybody's prophet or messiah. I think people can save themselves. I think that God actually speaks to everybody, and that some people are just better at articulating it. Some people are just better at writing it down. And sometimes you need to read what somebody else wrote to say, yo, I was thinking that I didn't know how to say that, but that's what I've been thinking. And that's Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. I'm just articulating something that I feel like Mm -hmm. everybody kind of knows deep down. And so that's something I always stress because anytime somebody's giving somebody world changing ideas or perspectives, we have this habit. I always say my, you know, my, my number one hero out of all my historical figures has always been Malcolm X. But I always say there was one big mistake Malcolm X made, right, was that he put Elijah Muhammad on a pedestal that I don't believe that any man should be on because they're people. And I never want to be on that pedestal. I Literally, if you, yeah. if anybody, you know, who follows me on social media, if you hung with me for like a week, you would realize I'm like, I'm still like a kid. I'm very responsible, but I like to have fun. I'm joking a lot. I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm cracking jokes. I'm sing, I'm, I'm, I'm rapping. Little you're, Wayne, you're, you're, you're not the house. guy. You're not the guy we should be putting on a pedestal. Is what you're saying? No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, regular, no, yeah, regular no. everyday guy. Regular everyday yeah, guy. I'm, I'm, you know, look, man. When I finish doing all my fun things, I, you know, I, I, I watch UFC, right? I, I, you know, I play video games. I, you know, I play with my children, yeah. and I rap. So I, I'm just, you know, so I always want people to know that most importantly because the sure. way I make my videos, it can come off like that. But that's just what I'm writing. And who I am, you know, you know, so I always want people to know that, you know, okay. that's why I like conversations like this because yeah. people can see like, you know, we're just uh, talking, you know, so. No, I, we appreciate that. And you know what? I was thinking, I was like, when I'm trying to think of which video, which TikTok I saw that made me reach out to you. And I really appreciate you responding and coming on. And uh, no, that's, that's fascinating. I was like, man, I, I reach out to maybe if I'm, I see interesting things on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok, and I may reach out to 10 people, one out of 10 will respond. I'm just ghosted by the other nine. So when you responded, I was really excited. So thank you. But moving into the final four, with all of your experiences, if you were to have dinner with anyone alive or dead, there's four chairs at the table. You're in one. Who would the other chairs now? Who I would gotta, be I at the question. dinner table and why? Can I speak any language? 
Any language or you can even add a seat or one lady was like, I want to have dinner by myself. Yeah. I don't want nobody. You can speak any language you so want. Whoever yeah. you want. Hebrew, <laughs> whatever. I, you can speak Swahili. I would talk yeah, to any the language. very first, and obviously it's a blur line, right? Because the way adaptation works, but the very first human. I just really want to talk to the first, like, the first set of humans. But I just want to ask some questions. I want to, because... I just feel like if I could understand them, then I could understand a lot. You know, if I could understand how the world is, how they're interacting, how their families are, how they're living, I feel like I could understand even more. So I always wanted to talk. I don't care if the first human existed, you know, a billion years ago or uh, or like the fossil worker says, 1.2 million years ago. I just want to talk to that first person and, and see what they think, you know, their dreams, their desires. You know, what they believe about God. I just want to know stuff like that. You know, what do you think? You know. That's one. Who about the other three? The other two tables. So definitely Malcolm X, as I I stated before. I would love just to talk to Malcolm X. You know, he inspired me so much in my life growing up. Um, And, you know, just to speak up for myself and things of that nature is to say the truth. And so uh, definitely Malcolm X. And then it would be people like... uh, you know, Pharaoh's like maybe like Akhenaten, you know, Akhenaten. Uh, he was so weird. He was uh, for yeah. an, you know, he said no to all the other gods. He said, there's only one God. His name is Aten and I am his son. I'm like, that's such a, <laughs> right? That's such a weird thing to do at that time. Yeah. So I always wanted to see like, what, why was he thinking? He looked weird too. He had elongated skull and his children had elongated skulls. He was a very strange guy. And so um, he had big eyes. I always wanted to talk to him. And uh, I guess the last per was it uh, was he an Anunnaki? The Anunnaki, I think that was um, that's a different king. Uh, what's his name? Can't remember his Raj. name. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, the Anunnaki. <laughs> and then if I could, I guess my last person would be. Um, I actually would like to talk to Michael Jackson. Uh, huh. As weird as that sounds, you know, so I know where Michael. When I grew up, I didn't tell y'all, but I used to dance like Michael Jackson. That's where my dancing started. I was that okay. little kid, you know. Every now and then, you see that. The, with the hat, and, you know. He's yeah, like, the red me. jacket with the zippers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. man. I, I, was, yeah. I was deep into the Michael Jackson. So I would want to, you know, I would want to. Michael was a very strange person, and uh, a lot of fans get, you know, offended when I say that. But we all know Michael was strange. But uh, yeah, I would like to, I would, <laughs> I would like to, you know, talk to him about that and see where a lot of that came from. You hear a lot of rumors and stuff. You, I would like just to sit down and talk to him face to face, and uh, you know, just. Have some conversations. Awesome. Nice, Thank nice. You. What's been your greatest success? My greatest success by far would have to be, uh, for me, definitely getting married. Mm. <laughs> uh, oh, definitely getting married. Like and to the woman I got married to, man, because um, without going deep into it, I just wasn't <clears throat> the best guy. I don't know how to really say any other type of way from high school through most of college. And uh, at one point, man, I just was like, uh, you know, I was just ready to, at a young age, I remember saying this to my mom. I was like in my early 20s. I said, you know what, mom? I don't think I'm meant to ever get married. I, don't, I think I'm meant to like be alone. I don't think I'm going to find a partner or anything. She was like, what? I'm like, yeah, mom, I kind of just giving up on it. It's kind of over for that. And so, you know, you know, my wife, um, I didn't even uh, actually originally, I always thought she was very beautiful, but I didn't want to be with her at the time because I always had this rule against being with like women who like everybody wants. It was just mm. annoying. I never wanted to be another guy yeah. that, uh, that every, that, you know, that, you know, for her to be like, well, no, get out of here. Right, right, right. So, just someone, just um, someone else to say no to. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, or to be begging like everybody else. Right, like, yeah, I'm right, not gonna right, do that. right. I, trust me, I'm different. I'm different. I'm better than yeah, those exactly. guys. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So she was just, she, she, she's just probably my best success because like, you know, the children we had and she's always been so supportive. You know, like I said, I'm so weird. Like I, I, I said, hey man, you know, I told her, I said one time, I said, yeah, man, I feel like God is calling me to, uh, to quit my job. <laughs> right and she said <laughs> right you know and, and she said you know what so far your spiritual instincts been on point i'm just gonna i'm just gonna follow you and let you do your thing wow, right? wow. and so you know she's been that type of partner my entire you know our entire relationship and because yeah. of that i was able to do so much 
Yeah. You know, that a lot of my friends, they were like, bro, my wife would not like When I originally wanted to get into breeding, I was talking about taking all this money that, you know, I was saving up for business. I'm talking a lot of money. And buying dogs that were in Serbia from somebody in Serbia. You know, and, you know, both our parents, our family was like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? <laughs> Serbia dogs, <laughs> and she was, she, was, she was with it. She said, "Yeah, let's do this. Let's make sure we do this," and it, and it turned out awesome. So I always said that was just a major, just a major success to marry the the right person. You know? Love it. It's just nice. That, that, that's a that's a beautiful story because I believe my my wife would probably say. Smiley, God told me you need to get another job. <laughs> you only got one job. And I say, if my girlfriend's husband got five jobs, you keep oh, fucking. God. <laughs> yeah. God, God told me I got to go. I'm packing my bags. Yeah. You can yeah, keep the job or you can leave the job. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's hilarious. No, man. You got you to you keep her, dog. You got to keep her. Ooh, yeah, you got to keep her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the third question is, and, and, and think about this one. What is your superpower? What is uniquely you? Meaning Superman flies, the Hulk has his strength, and, and the Flash is fast. So what is Elohim's superpower that is uniquely, uniquely you? Yeah, I've been blessed with this ability to, to see things. I like My brain, I always used to tell my wife, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, and I'm able to do this through my life with my studies, with reading books, but it all started for me with movies. You know, my mom used to do this thing at the beginning of movies. She used to say like, who, who could guess the ending? So we're like, you know, but my, so growing up, my brain would just put together stuff. Like I'll watch a movie. It's just good with patterns. So like, I'll tell somebody in the first 15 minutes of movie to the point where people tell me not to, cause they say I'm spoiling it. I'm like, yo, I, I can tell you everything that's about to happen. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know this entire thing. And yeah. I was able to extrapolate that into just everything. Like when I study history, when I study religion, when I study, you know, different cultures, like my brain just has a, an ability to just put it all together. And then I have what, what made me really good at teaching was not just the ability to put it together, but to, to articulate it, give it back in a way that is not only they, they can they comprehend it, but it's also entertaining. It's also fun. Mm -hmm. When I was a teacher, all of our all of the lessons, I would take the entire curriculum, all the lessons, all the worksheets, and I would make a rap out of everything they needed to know. And not just one of those corny school raps that a lot of teachers like to yeah. do. One plus one is two. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like a rap that I would go and listen. I would always, how I would start, I would say, tell me all your favorite rappers. And tell me their favorite rappers. And oh my God, these rappers were awful. But I would go and listen yeah. to them. Right? These, I mean, they were awful. But I would yeah. listen to them and I was here to style, the flow, the way they did it. And so I would make songs with all the information, but still with the style. And I would tell them, if you can memorize this song, you're going to get an A on the test. And so you would see these, my students, you know, at the test, they would be like, um, we don't need you. I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Write an answer down. So the ability to kind of like easily get that information, but then to be able to give it back in a way that's entertaining and fun because education, anytime you go to learn about something, why does it have to be so boring? Yeah. Jeez, right? Like I yeah. put so much information in this book, but it's told through a story. You know, like why, why just, if I just gave you all the information that's in here, you yeah. wouldn't make it through page 30 because you'd be bored. But yeah. if you could make a way for people to be like, man, this is, this is a good story while you're also learning, then it's yeah. easier to get through. So that's my personal superpower, I believe. That's a gift. Awesome. That's a gift. Um, that is a gift. I, I think all of us have been in classes, you know, math. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the boring ones, math or, you know, depending on if you love math or not, I don't know, where whatever it is, geography, whatever, chemistry, where it's like, oh, my God, you know, I can't take this anymore. And then we've yeah. had those teachers where it's the worst class ever, but you can't wait to get to it because oh. they have have been able to share the information with you in a way that's palatable to you. Right. Yeah. So the fact you did that with your students, I, I'm sure, you know, they're like, oh, he's so cool. You know, he's, you know, he's, he, he understands us type thing. They probably yeah, didn't have those tight. words, you know, but, but you guys are probably tight. Tell me this. You mentioned that you did poetry. You did. Uh, and, and you rapped and all that. They usually go hand in hand. 
Um, every report isn't a good rapper, but you know, these are go ahead and hand. Think back about your first rap or the one rap where you're like, oh, this is dope. And you got a lot of confirmation, right? And yeah. if, you're, if you're comfortable, share share a line with us. This is just a, you know, bless bless us with us some some of your some of your skills there. And then, then so, once you finish, I have, I have another question for you. Once you finish that, yeah. Okay, so the first one, uh, my mom. Again, one thing I always love about my mother is uh, she was very honest. She used to say that like if somebody loves you, they'll tell you the truth, right? Now we didn't always like that. But, uh, <laughs> <she was> always, <laughs> like, can you love me a little bit less, mom? I don't, I don't need all the love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like so. So, you know, when it came to my music, I was originally singing and stuff, and then I, I wanted to do rap. I liked rapping. I was like, man, I want to rap. And mom was like, she would tell me, well, I don't really like rapping. I think you're, just, you're a good singer. And she would say that. And so one day, uh, you know, so anytime my mom says she likes something, you, you knew she meant it because she was always honest. And so one day I made um, I made a rap to with this... Uh, this uh, beat maker she gave me. Uh, oh my God. I was like in fifth grade. Okay. That was such a long time ago. But it was like, uh, it went like, um, I got that vibe to the music. Make you want to go stoop. Got that vibe to the music. And then the rap was like, um, don't you know, I got, got a vibe to the music. It was like something like that, but it was like this okay. kid rap, and my mom's face lit up when she heard it, and she said, "This is good." And okay. I was like, "I was like, it is." She was like, "Yeah." She was like, "This is good." Like I can imagine this playing on the radio. I was like, "Okay, really?" Yeah. And so you couldn't tell me nothing after that. I was the greatest right. rapper of all time. You know, mom said my rap is good. You like Jay Z? Who? Mic drop. Right. I love it. it, it and then for, so that was for my mom, for my peers, it was a different rap. I wrote this okay. rap. I was in high school and people heard it. And every time I wrapped it, they always asked me, you wrote that? Right. It was the best compliments you can get. You wrote Isn't that. Something? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that something? I, yeah. I wrote it. Yeah, exactly. You Did you, you wrote that? And that yeah. one was, um, it went like, I'll just do it for you real quick. It's yeah, funny yeah, yeah. though. I would never write something like this now, but I don't care. Yeah. So it was, yeah, um. Yeah. It was, it's me, Prince, with a big surprise win. Girls come in, I get hips and thighs. Can't stop my friends and I. When I see foo, enemies turn shrimp and fry. Hint that I'm the gifted guy. Gifted mine and gifted lines. Shifted, I'm the picnic guy. Please pass my ribs and thigh. Hint is I will take your miss and fly. Who needs a ghost rider? I'm the Casper. Note that my flow might flow right past you. Sleep through the movies. Tired of the actors. She's, she's sweet. I'm around sweet things. I'm a rapper. When it's beef, I'm the Burger King. Call me Donald when I mack her. You ain't running things. I straight lapped her. Your ass to disaster. You act like an actor. Get slapped. It's the fact that you whacker than whacker. He get paper because he a copy machine. The only way you get in paper if you copying me. And then something, something, something. Yo! You wrote yeah. that? You wrote that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was dope. That was Yo. dope, man. You know, so so every, the way you tied the words together, right? So in terms, you know, for for me and, and, and Smiley and, and probably you too, being from you know living in Jersey, or not, you know, every rapper on the radio isn't a good rapper, right? Some of them have this marketability. There's a handful of rappers we can all think of that just had a really good way of like Eminem. You know, Jay-Z, Tupac, had a really good way of just nice. tying the words together where you're like sucked in and drawn in. The more they go, the more you're drawn in. And you were in high school? Yeah, I was in time? high school. I was, a, I was a freshman, I think. So yeah. I'm a freshman. Wow. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah. Here's, here's the last question. Last question. You've written two books. Third book's coming, I'm sure. Let's say it was your autobiography. What would the title be? The autobiography. What would the title be? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, it would be, um, <laughs> that's a good question. Not normally okay. stumped by questions. So that means you asked a really, really good one. 
Um, but I, I guess it would have to be something like, um, you know, um, something like, you know, let's get free or, you know, um, or freedom, something of that nature, because that's what my entire life has been about. It's been about nothing but freedom. That's all I've been after, you know, since I was a little kid. I can remember, I remember, you know, people say, why don't you want to grow up? I'm like, cause y'all don't seem like y'all adults don't seem free. I remember. You don't seem happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, man, y'all seem so like, uh, I went, I used to love Peter Pan. I'm like, man, he got it right. You know, all these adults, they're, they're all, none of them are free. Y'all, you know, workers. That's how I used to think in my brain. My mom, you know, first time she said, you should get a job. You're a teenager. Mom, I'm not a worker bee. Right. <laughs> Love it. Wow. Love it. Well, man, I, I want to first thank you first on two fronts. Uh, usually our podcast guest, Dre will stump them in like the first seven minutes. So I was getting ready to say, he almost made it through the whole show and no one gets stuff. So don't feel bad. You made it the longest. You made it to the last question. So thank you. <laughs> but Elohim, Elohim, I want to tell you, honestly, this has been the most fascinating podcast. And I want to thank you for a responding to me because once again I don't I don't know which TikTok you that you posted that I saw that maybe inspired me to write to you or to connect to you. Thanks for responding. Thanks for sharing your time. You're a fascinating person. Hey man, listen, like, like just reiterating what Smiley said, it was an incredible time. We appreciate your time. A lot of good information being shared. Um, I'm looking forward to following you and, and, and seeing how this evolves. Yes. And thank you. And thank you both. Honestly, um, it's been awesome.